1: Self-love is not to be confused with self-care. Self-care is part of self-love, but it's not the full picture. Self-love is a loving place to be, especially if you have spent many years caring for others and neglecting yourself. Self-love is, and should be, a priority. To truly help another human being, you must first be aligned with your true self. The more you focus on your well-being, cultivating and nurturing it, the more confidently you will be able to stand before someone with a problem and experience their true upliftment. Jen had been looking for love, for worth, for many things, but she never found any of those things outside of herself. To find love, you must be love. To find worth, you must be worthy. You are love. You are worthy. These are your unwavering truths. Valerie Atellis interviews Jen Brewer, The author of Helping Effortlessly, a book of inspiration and healing. Jen Brewer is a counselor, burnout prevention and recovery trainer and consultant, parenting coach, mindfulness advisor, cooking instructor, keto diet proponent, and retired foster parent after 18 years of service. Jen is the author of the self-help book, Helping Effortlessly, a book of healing and inspiration, Based on her personal experience recovering from burnout. Meet Jen at jenbrewer.com. Here is the interview with Jen Brewer.
0: In your own words, who is Jen Brewer? Mm
2: -hmm. who am I I am I would say first and foremost I am a mother and a wife and a teacher and um, a human and so many other labels I could I could insert there
0: yeah it's interesting that you say that because I hear that a lot When I interview women who are mothers, a parent, they say that first, I am a mother. So, you know, I never ask them, why do you say that first? (laughs) It's almost like very important to them, that role. Talk to me for a moment about that, Jen, the beautiful experience of being a mother.
2: I think probably the reason why I say that first and foremost is probably in the sense of responsibility because in my list of priorities in each day it's always you know my children are right up there with if they need me everything else shifts down that down that priority list so it's probably something to do with pride I say that first because I'm proud and I'm I have this sense of pride over my children and and and, and in myself as a mother but also yeah it's just it's it's a, it's a huge responsibility isn't it uh, and I have I have 18 year old twins and they've just started post-secondary school so it's a, there's a huge responsibility uh, that I have to still be there for them and support them into their adulthood so that's why I say it first
0: yeah it makes a lot of sense to me I'm not a mother and I don't think I will be in this lifetime if they are other lifetimes that might happen, or maybe happened, but yeah, I have this um, interest to know what is to be a mother. And uh, I have heard that women like myself who have chosen or, or don't have children, it's just a different way of living, but we can also be mothers in different ways. Definitely. I like the way you said that, responsibility. I do feel that way. Uh, The work I do, my family, my husband, my pet, Zen.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah, it feels like that. It's a sense of responsibility, right? That's so true. In a beautiful way, in a very profound way. My second official question is about the purpose of the human experience. What do you feel or think that is? I feel that the purpose is, is to, to embody
2: our oneness. I feel like that is the, that is the epitome of what we are all doing here is tapping into our and, uh, authenticity, but our, our spiritual authenticity, not just our human authenticity, you know, not just the, the labels that we identify with, but our genuine spiritual authenticity I feel like, yeah, there's definitely this almost putting, putting back together of our, of our spirit as we as we incarnate here that is, that is definitely for me, one of my purposes is just to, to put the spirit back together and to delve as, as deep as we can into who, what that is and what that means and, and eventually hopefully stumbling across that oneness.
0: I would love to know from your perspective, what does it look like? What is the idea you have about uh, spiritual authenticity? What does it look like? Or what would that look like?
2: So spiritual authenticity, um, for me, as it looks like in this current moment along my journey, feels a lot like being able to differentiate from my ego self and my higher self, the desire and the yearnings of the physical realm and the desires and the yearnings of the of the authentic self, the deeper self, the, the heart-centered experience versus the, the experience of the mind. So for example, if I were to sit in my morning practice and look at, you know, what do I want out of this day? I could easily hear thoughts of the body, desires, physical desires, you know, chocolate cake or addic- things, things like addictions, or I could think about, oh, I'd like to make money today. You know, but if I, if I move past those, because those, of course, are of the ego and of the body, when I look past those desires, what, what do I really want to have today? And the answer is almost always from my heart center is connection or impact. You know, those, those, are, those are real spiritually centered, authentic answers to that question, right? So yeah, just being able to, 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 to sense the difference, I think, between the reaction or the desire of my, of my ego versus my, my true authentic self
0: what is true power when it comes to merging the body the mind and the spirit what would that look like
2: what would true power look like that's a good question i feel the the word that keeps coming up is empowerment you know feeling so rather than seeking power over something you the power comes from within it emerges from within when you when you or at least this is my personal experience when you finally achieve you know and it's not so much a destination as it is a a continuous journey um toward balance but when you do feel or sense balance um when you've been in a place especially for me in my journey I've been in a place of of utter imbalance in my life I I lived a majority of my life significantly imbalanced and now I definitely feel more balanced I have days where I'm where I'm not holding steady to it but when I genuinely feel a place of balance in in mind body and spirit the word empowerment like I just feel this sensation of of power emerging from inside of my being versus in the in the past when I was imbalanced I would search for power externally like for example when my adrenals were really tanked and I felt super stressed and and weak I would of course I'm therefore feeling totally disempowered physically and I would reach for coffee this will give me power I'm reaching for energy right so I feel like in a state of balance body mind and spirit balance the energy flows so much more readily and you feel you feel very powerful and again it's not an ego power it's a power a a light to be able to embody all of the the wonderful amazing contributions you want to do in this plane and that you want to contribute in this plane yeah I, i really feel like empowerment is for me when it comes to balance that word empowerment just it's it's utterly empowering when you when you are finally in balance on all of your your health you know measurements
0: what are some of the misconceptions we have about healing Jen
2: the misconceptions we have about healing I would say probably my favorite misconception about healing is especially because I talk a lot, uh, you know, in my circle around um, diet and body transformation. I would say one of the biggest misconceptions about healing is that that it's of the body. In other words, um, you know, one of the things that I've really come to and I'm writing about for my in my next book is the idea of body separation. You know, whenever someone asks me, Jen, oh my gosh, you've lost 80 pounds and and you've managed to keep it off. That's incredible. And they really focus on the fat, the body fat. But what's fascinating is I I say in in my um, body transformation workshops, I'll say, you know, people will assume that I've lost 80 pounds and I must be in a landing place of utter love for my body. Because that's what people look at my body and they say, wow, it looks so much better. You must really love your body. And what's fascinating is that now that I've lost 80 pounds, I actually don't have more love for my body. I have less love for my body. And one of the the chapters in the the book that I'm currently writing and editing is, um, I love my body as much as I love the kitchen sink. And it's catchy, it's a catchy title. But what I, what I mean by that is that you would think you've lost 80 pounds, you must really love your body. But the truth is I don't, because what I do is I don't identify as a body anymore. I identify as the light that occupies the vessel of this body. And this body is as useful as my kitchen sink. My kitchen would be nothing without that sink. And I use it every day. I appreciate it. I I maintain it. I clean it when it needs cleaning. I really believe that my body is useful, but it is nothing more than that. I am in the service. My body is in the service of
0: of me, not the other way around. I am no longer in service of my body. I have one more warm-up question for you. I have many here, but let me ask you one more. What is freedom to you? What is the liberation or perhaps enlightenment as some people say do you have an idea do you hold any any thoughts about that as a destination or freedom means something else
2: for me freedom is can be summed up in one word and that is surrender and in any given moment if i can truly manage to surrender to a power greater than myself, I am absolutely positively free in the next second. And if I can hold to that surrender, I can be free in the next second and the next second. And the moment I try to take back power and I and I am not in surrender mode, that freedom is gone.
0: So you wrote the book, Helping Effortlessly, a book of inspiration and healing. What was the main intention and purpose of writing your book, Jen? I wrote the book. It was interesting. I I sat down to write
2: the book and I I wanted to do a training seminar to help others to achieve a state of balance and transformation as I had clearly undergone after quite a few years of of being on the journey that I didn't even realize I was on until it was over. And I I sat down to write a training seminar and I thought, you know what, this is a book. And I specifically wrote the book Toward Professional Helpers because I really believe that professional helpers are so, so important to, uh, to holding our communities together and holding them up and, 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 and helping our communities to heal. And, to, and I believe that traditionally helpers are not helping from a place of strength. They're helping from a place of burnout and stress. And so that is the the mission and the reason and the calling behind my book is to write it for professional helpers. Um, And of course, it's been helpful toward people who are not professional helpers, but I wrote it from my heart to professional helpers to help them to inspire and encourage them to achieve balance.
0: Wow, yeah, that's um, such an important message and practice, actually, or awareness to have. And this is something that I have been caught up in many times. I'm not sure if I can call it burnout, but let me ask you a few questions about that. So, what is your definition of burnout, and what are the early signs of burnout? How can we learn to recognize? them
2: so there's every person is different in terms of burnout my my body of work really likes to merge the idea of burnout which is which is something that's usually related to your profession to working and uh, and something called adrenal fatigue which is just the idea that your your body is is so fatigued your adrenals the adrenal glands are the ones responsible for dealing with and um, managing stress in the body and that my body of work really merges those two worlds because essentially they're the same thing with two different labels and so if a person is is burnt out at work their body is also experiencing these these symptoms and so my the number one symptom in my opinion is exhaustion Um, It can also be an experience of feeling wired and tired, you know, stimulated one moment, super wired, and then exhausted the next moment. So energy, you're definitely going to have an energy disruption throughout your day um, consistently over, over, over days, months, or even years. For me, it was definitely for years. You know, blood sugar, dysregulation, and constantly reaching for caffeine and sugar, those are some signs irritability, frustrated, easily frustrated mood swings, high blood pressure, low blood pressure. There's, there's really a, a lot of symptoms because, you know, all of our body symptoms, are systems are connected. So it's, it's even worsening seasonal allergies can be a sign of burnout um, and people don't realize that. Yeah. And definitely sleep disruption is a huge one as well.
0: What I wonder is why we take so long and why we don't listen too long to attend to these signs and we most of us don't listen to the body. Do you also wonder why? <laughs> Have you asked that question? I, You know, I don't ask
2: the question because I suspect that the reason why people don't listen to their body is because the external construct of the culture around us tells us that we are only good if we are producing, if we are achieving excellence, and if we are doing better at all times. And that we should we have been we have been taught from an early age to negate our own personal, internal and, and, and body experience by look at the science. What does science tell you about your body as opposed to check in with your body, close your eyes and look inside. When are we teaching children to do that? We aren't. We're teaching people to look at scientific evidence at the negation of their own personal birthright, which is to check in with their body and connect with their body and be one with their body. We are not teaching that. These are, you know, teachings of the East that that have been around for for forever. But of course, they're they're not quote-unquote air quotes you know uh uh, science-based and then they're 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 considered you know a little bit woo-woo or out there but i i believe there's a shift happening in our connection with breath work and meditation and mindfulness and yoga and all of these practices that are coming into the mainstream they're coming because we need them
0: yeah the journey of recovery. Talk to me for a moment about that. And um, do you have one or two strategies, recovery strategies that you recommend to listeners the most? I have a whole bunch of strategies <laughs> you that do. I recommend. Yeah, and, the book.
2: You know, if I, oh that. yes, of course my book, a shameless book plug there. Yeah. Um, I definitely have a lot of strategies and, you know, of course, my my number one favorite strategy toward burnout prevention and recovery is always mindfulness. A consistent, mind daily mindfulness practice where you really go in with with intention uh, in building this as a as a life practice. It has you know it's research backed. It, it has so much potential to reduce stress in the body to connect you again with 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 your body and all of the signs and symptoms it puts you just overall in a in a state of balance especially with a consistent practice but but, but what I would say in addition to you know like I could say I could say just a hundred little points of, of 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 burnout prevention uh tactics and strategies but what i found personally is that all of them are effective at moving, moving the mark just a little bit, you know, so in other words, mindfulness itself is not going to resolve burnout, but mindfulness itself can, can maybe make me 10% more balanced. And so then if I were to look into and really take my sleep seriously, then I'll get another 10%. And, and if I were to, to consider looking into adaptogenic herbs that can support my adrenals and support my body's stress response, coming into a state of balance that's going to help me a little bit. And then if I can, you know, so it's it's just these little tiny steps. It's it's kind of like if you were to say to me, guess what? I had some spinach today. You wouldn't really go looking in the mirror expecting to see a difference, but there's something about the practice of eating green vegetables that we all know helps us a little bit, right? It's, it's detoxifying, it's nourishing, it's giving us the B vitamins, et cetera, et cetera. And so I would say that, all of the tactics and all of the strategies are just a a whole bunch of strategies that all of us have to have to engage in consistently and there's a number of them and I would say start with one and work your way up you know start with okay this week I'm going to take on mindfulness and I'm going to build it into my lifestyle you know no, never would you do a podcast about, about how do we consistently brush our teeth? Because people are already doing that, right? Why? Because the consequences, you're going to have bad breath and bad hygiene or whatever, uh, and, and cavities. So everyone's already doing that. So if we could get everyone doing consistent mindfulness practices, or if we could get everyone consistently taking their sleep really seriously, or eating more vegetables. So so it's just little steps that it, all of those strategies end up leading you to balance. But mm-hmm. but one of them, isolated, is not going to help you.
0: Yeah, I love the example of the teeth here. Yeah, and that it is a habit, of course, but it's something that we do without any effort. We just, uh, it's a flow. It flows within the day and we just do it without even thinking about it.
2: And think about what you just said, without any effort. You do it effortlessly, Yes. Right. Yeah. You do it effortlessly. And that's, that's what I hope to teach people when it comes to burnout is that it can be effortless. You just have to build it slowly into your practice, just like brushing your teeth. It's not stressful. You do it every day. You consistently do it. Why? Because you believe in it.
0: You asked a question. Um, somewhere in your book, what does it mean to be a helper? And then you talk about the tree and what in, the, the inspiration you had around trees. And you say, a tree helps me. A tree makes me feel deeply grounded. A tree transforms me. It reminds me of who I am. A tree aligns me. That caught my attention immediately, of course, because it is so true. Nature, no effort, and it it does amazing things.
2: It's a universal experience too, isn't it? Yeah. All of us can relate to the tree. You know, you stand before a tree and you feel utterly
0: moved. Mm. Yes, yeah. I love that you included that. And you also said something else about the tree again (laughs) later on. Under the spirit section, uh, gratitude, you say, try just being, B-E, capitalized, I-N-G. And then you say, be a tree, the tree that you once stood before and felt moved by, as you said. So you write about that again, the sections that I had access to. So... Um, the question that I have about uh, it's about nature what is about nature that really reminds us of who we are is that that we are not separated from nature Jen that we are nature we are life itself and sometimes we just feel like we are not I would say yeah so what what you're asking
2: is why why does that tree move us I think the tree moves us because it's just so it's a simple form of life it's connected so entirely lacking in ego it's lacking in resistance it's everything we want to be pure life pure giving pure receiving it both receives and gives and it does so with absolutely no resistance or ego and when you see that tree, you are on some level reminded that you you are that tree, except that you've convinced yourself that you're not.
0: Yeah, that we have been trained, we have been training ourselves not to be, right? Not to be connected to the oneness, yes. We've trained ourselves to be connected
2: only to the capitalist idea of excellence. You must, in order to be your greatness you must achieve excellence and and yet that tree attempts not once in its life to to achieve excellence but it is and yet it is (laughs) pure excellence right so it's like it's like every lesson that Ah. we need need about our Mm. our truth is in that tree
0: uh, thank you so much yeah, for saying that. Again, I'd, I don't hear that too often, that I write about it, I talk about it here, but a lot of times not really communicated clearly. So thank you for being a, a different voice <laughs> saying that. Yes, yes, a billion times. We are life itself. We are nature. Your book, The Spirit Section, caught my attention, as I said, off record. And then the gratitude, that the part that I read about the trees being, just being, uh, I love that. And forgiveness is another section that caught my attention for some reason where you say forgiveness is the gateway to your freedom. I know this is coming from the sense of self still, of the me that needs to forgive something as if um, we are not already there. But it's interesting how we need the that's the paradox again. We need the healing work in order to recognize that in realise that we are already whole, that no healing is, is needed.
2: Yes, and, and with forgiveness we often we immediately think about forgiveness toward others, but we forget to self forgiveness and self compassion is a huge piece of this too.
0: Forgiveness. True, so true. And then mindfulness, under mindfulness meditation, you say mindfulness commands the brain to stop and focus on what it is in the now, whether it be the act of sitting, breathing, cooking or driving. Mindfulness allows us to focus on the present moment that is another profound message being here now where everything happens talk to me about the idea of time like I have I mean something in me has a a real hard time with the the constructed idea of time so I get lost pretty easily (laughs) Uh, losing track of time all the time which is interesting because it has to do with the society and the the construct of humans, but we do need that. So how do we balance being on time and being off time in a sense of in the uh, endless now, this unlimited moment that this is?
2: In other words, how do we live most of our life enjoying and uh, being in the present moment, but still be aware of the construct of time and future and past. Yes, yeah. I understand the question, fully. <laughs> Yes, So I, I think it's just, a, again, it's just about balance. And, you know, we are doing, you know, a podcast right now. It's going to be 30 minutes. We're aware of that time. But still, as you speak in my heart center, I'm not looking at the time. I'm not looking into the future of, you know, an hour from now. I'm not sitting in this moment and thinking about and worrying about something I said in the past. I'm right here, right now in the present moment. So it's it's really just about, and it's also about, for me, being in the present moment is very much about not resisting what's happening in the present moment. Because the present moment, it just it is what it is. It could be cold. It could be fearful. It could be, there could be a lot of negative experiences in this moment. It's not just a moment of joy necessarily, although this moment with you is a a moment of joy, but some moments aren't and, and some moments aren't. And so being able to move through that and truly experience the good and the bad, right? You know, the moments that, that feel less, less joyous and the moments that feel are filled with despair or grief. And then moving into the moments that are joyous because it it just, those, not every moment is going to be joy. So being able to just really accept and not resist the moment as it unfolds.
0: That resonates, which makes me think about balance in the sense of being present or being present to what is present. There might be balance. What are you you, trying to communicate with that word? If we can be present to what is present, whatever it is, without judgment,
2: yeah. Yes, and without judgment is, a, is an important part of that, of course.
0: On the uh, the section of self love, you say self love is not to be confused with self care. Talk to me for a moment about that, Jen.
2: Self love really, self care is is important because we need to take care of ourselves, our bodies, our physical selves, our needs. If there's so many all-encompassing things that, it, that are included in uh, self-care. But self-love is a stance. It's not just an act, right? I can do things that I think might be, I can make choices within my self-care repertoire that, are, uh, that appear loving. But if I don't have the stance of self-love, which includes compassion and acceptance and a fully embodying of, of who and what I am, it's being the tree. When I become that tree in any given moment, I am standing in my power. I am standing in my worth. And I am a fully embodying the love of of not my body not my accomplishments not all of of my labels like motherhood or wife or um you know workshop provider or anything that makes me seem you know smart or wonderful or anything like that I'm talking about the essence the tree behind my eyes the the essence of of light that if I can find a stance for love of of that beingness and and approach my self-care with that stance with that power it's important to understand they're two different things you know one is an action and one is a stance loving myself it's not so much something I do but it's something that I intend on you know it's a I don't know. It's kind of like loving another person that's right in front of you. Just, just, just love them. It's not an action. And so I would say the same thing about my relationships uh, with my children. It's easy for me to think to to make the mistake of thinking if I love you, if I love you, that means I'm going to do things for you. I'm going to, uh, you know, do an act of kindness. Those are acts. Yeah. They are not the the stance, the 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 vibration
0: mm. of love. I love the spirit checklist you have there too in your book. The one that caught my attention was to love myself first is the most loving thing to do in an act toward peace. That's interesting that you use that word peace here. And you also talked about in your book somewhere about you asked a question that I have here that I didn't ask. You say, do I want peace on earth? That was a question. One of the, in the very beginning, your book, I think has to do with the, the part of eating vegetables. You, yeah. asked, you asked that question. Do you envision that one day we will come to this realization, to this manifestation of peace on earth? And another question is, has this ever happened before? Oh,
2: that's a a huge loaded question. So I would say that whether or not peace, peace on earth exists or has ever existed is an insignificant question to the ability to truly hold, again, a stance of peace within you. It is the most important, you know, if you ask anyone, do you want peace on earth? I don't know if there's anyone who would say no, but maybe there is. But let's just say a majority of us would say, absolutely. People yearn for this, but, they, but they're expecting other people to bring it to them. And, and, and if there's one thing I've learned, it's that peace is available to me no matter where I am. And I really mean that. Um, peace is available to me, and it has to do with surrender and it has to do with allowing it, allowing it in, you know, and, and inviting it and, and with intention. And so, whether or not peace on earth will ever come, I hope it does. I pray it does. I believe it will. Uh, has it ever been here on earth? I, probably not. But, but I do believe that all of us on some level right now, are at peace. There is a part of you right now that is totally at peace. Uh, You just have to tap into it.
0: So we're almost at the end. I do have the ending questions. Would you like to add anything else or read a passage in your book, Jen?
2: Do I want, I feel like we've talked enough about the book and I don't, I can't think of anything that I would want to add. Uh, yeah, you read you read some passages that I, I felt were were good. I, I'm I'm good to 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 not read a, a passage.
0: And my last questions: Um, what is another word for life? Another word for life? Creation. Mm, creation. Yeah.
2: Manifest manifestation.
0: What are three things you wish everyone to experience? before they lose the body
2: what are three things that I wish everyone to experience before they lose their body connection connection uh, to God connection to self connection to others purpose and impact and so those are two things those are the same thing purpose and impact Uh, connection and and I would want anyone to experience true honest and faithful surrender
0: thank you so much for your clear elevated presence the way you communicate the message of unconditional love uh, the energies of life that you you're open to to let them flow through you and everything else that can be felt thank you so much jen for your presence in this reality Thank you. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Um, my
2: website is jenbrewer j j e n n and brewer b r u e
0: r dot com. And I'm on all of, all the socials under the same the same name. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for having me. Bye for now, Jen.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jen Brewer and her work, please visit JenBrewer.com.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.